Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 545. Welcome in. Today, joining me is Brian Simpson. Brian, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm a big fan. I'm glad you're back. I'm making podcasts again. Thank you, brother. I, uh, I love your show, by the way. Like, I don't know if you know this. My favorite podcast is about video games, but... The uh, every other thing that happens in my ear is usually your podcast BS with Brian Simpson. It's like such a good show in the background of my life, doing dishes or laundry or whatever the fuck. And uh, I love it, man. Yeah, and we we touch we touch on video games on that a little bit too. Yeah, well, one of my things I want to talk to you about today is we'll, we'll do it later, but I'm curious about Diablo because I've never never messed with Diablo, and I know you love it hearing you talk about it, and so I'd love to at some point do that. Yeah. Um. Well, let's start thinking about football. Though my my idea today was talking football and comedy with Brian Simpson. I know you're a Washington fan. How, how did that happen? How did you become a, a Washington fan? So I was, I was, uh, I was born into it. Like I can, t- I can tell you the moment because, uh, so, so like I said, before I was born, the, uh, the NFL was forced to integrate, but they were asked to integrate under threat that Congress would, Make them. What does that mean? Integrate so, in this scenario, uh, like the, integrate what? It, it, like black players. Think. Like they were, they they were forced to ha- to let black yeah, players desegregate. Play. And yeah, desegregate. Yeah, and thus Redskins were the last team. They were the last holdout. So a lot of black folks in D.C. were like, "Screw the Redskins! I, I, I'm going for the rabble." So so there's a there's a Larger than you would expect, Cowboys fan base in Commanders country, you know, and so I was born into so th- so I, there's a lot of families that are split down the middle. Oh wow! Where they're like, you know, like I like if if the if the Cowboys beat the Redskins, I get a phone call from my mother, my brother, you know, my cousins. You know, we all talking trash, and so it's that kind of thing. And and then some people in DC are like, well, we're loyal. Uh, you know, being the, you know, the Cowboys being a little less racist doesn't make them that, you know, that's how some people look at it. Yeah. So, yeah, because it's not like they were leading the charge, you know. <laughs> They're so, just so, the lesser of two evils. Like, oh, okay. Little red, right, right. And uh, and so, so uh, I remember being maybe four or five years old and um and my grandmother and her and my favorite aunt were we were all in the house together and I and I remember them arguing about it and and my grandmother made me choose you know and because they were talking trash to each other and, and my and my favorite aunt was like tell her you're a redskin fan and my and my grandma was like you gonna root for the dead skins <laughs> and I was under this pressure and I chose and after that you can't go back. I mean, I don't know anybody that switched. No, no, no. I respect that. I respect the ability to like stick with it your whole life. I guess you're like stuck with this team now. Yeah, yeah. They were. They've. They've been. They have. They've ripped my heart out so many times. Mm. And now I'm. I'm not as. I'm not emotionally invested in, in in the commanders anymore. And um. And this was, the 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 RG three era really broke my heart. We we you know we had a good one. You know, well, Joe Gibbs came back, and um, and you know, and then and then we and then, you know, we and that's back when we had you know Lafar Arrington, and you know we uh, we we traded Chan Bailey for Clinton Portis, and uh, 
and we had Sean Taylor and Fred Smoot and it was a it was a good we had a good little run and uh and then Sean Taylor died right <laughs> and that kind of took a lot of the wind out of the sails of the of the fan base and it was just and after that it was just a clown car you know we had Jim Zorn we like just just a just a carousel of head coaches, no stability. Hey, Jim Zorn's a you know, nice we were, man. We were... <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> he's a he's a very he's a very nice man. <laughs> he's a horrible coach. head coach. Horrible. <laughs> yeah, um, but he but he you know but it wasn't just him. You know, I mean, we had the we had the shot in the era too. It was pretty all right, and, but but we never got back to that feeling that like we could win, <laughs> and then. Uh, and I can't tell you how many starting quarterbacks we had. Mar Brunel was the best quarterback we had in 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 twenty years, probably. So then, so then we we get we draft RG three, and his rookie season was electrifying. And we had and we had uh sorry, it's my cat. And we had uh uh uh. Oh, oh man, I'm drawing him plate. Elway, I mean not Elway. Um, I had the 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 Broncos head coach from the Super Bowl. Oh, Mike Shanahan. We have we have Mike Shanahan. Yeah. Look, okay, so so listen, this is this is how much. If you need to know how much the 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 Commanders franchise has fumbled the bag, okay. There was a point where we had Mike Shanahan was our head coach. Cal Shanahan was on the coaching staff. Um. Uh. Who's the Sean McVay? Man, I, I'm. I'm too tired. Sean McVay. Uh. What's the quarterback school? And one more. One more that I'm missing. I think it was. Uh. It might have been Lafleur. It might have been Matt Lafleur. I, I, I think we let all of them go. <laughs> we let all of them go. They were all on our staff. We let them all walk. Okay. So, but but RG three, like. It was the first time I think in my whole life, maybe like since I was a little little kid, that we had a quarterback. Where when he let the ball go, I was I would get excited every time. I'm like that could mm -hmm. be a touchdown. Anytime he touched the ball, I was like, oh, that's on the money. You know what? What? Where? And in his rookie season, just we, we I don't think we ever had the guy in my adult life like the guy the guy the quarterback that the whole division feared was RG three. That rookie season was unbelievable, and it just gave us so much hope. And the way they mismanaged him, and it just it just took it all out of me, man. Like the, the that playoff game when he when his knee went, I remember he he ran into um I want to say the Lodi Nada. Sounds right. From I think so yeah, I th yeah. I think he 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 tried to do some Superman stuff, and Lodi Nada he Lodi Nada hit his knee, and 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 you could just tell, man, like that. Was it? And they and 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 after that, man, I just don't I don't trust them. I don't trust them as. A, and then and then I find out about all of the, you know, the sex harassment and the. Uh, uh, you might have to bleep that. I think you can't say that on the internet. Hey, we'll figure it out. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I found out about all of the harassment and all of the scams and how they've been selling the fan base fake of like stale peanuts, like leftover peanuts from airlines and. <laughs> And, and keeping keeping season ticket holder money and not and then playing little games with the with the away tickets so they uh, with the so they could keep skimming money and 
like it, it, it became apparent that like, you know, because Daniel Schneider, our owner, our former owner, his saving grace was always people said, okay, you know what? He's a, he's an idiot, but he's a rich idiot and he's a huge Skins fan. He loves the team. And so he's willing, yeah, he's willing to spend the money to make us great. But, but now, you know, it's come on the last few years that he actually just saw the franchise as a way to make money, like a little piggy bank. And he did everything he could to penny pinch and strip and and shave pennies off. And he stopped the Austin tailgating that was happening. And he was just not a good person, you know. And and I don't know who, I don't even know who's going to buy it. I don't even know who owns it now. I, I know he's been, I don't know if it's final and, you know, but, but yeah, being a bit, there's it's probably the most mismanaged franchise in sports next to the Knicks. Yeah, like a brand with so much potential that's just been running to the ground. It's so sad. And, and just and and also that the fan base is hates the owner of the team. And like to to it, there is a there are no Redskin fans to defend Daniel Schneider. Redskins football team, Commanders, whatever you refer to them as now. There are no, there are no Washington fans that uh, that support Daniel Schneider anyway. At least not, not that I've heard. Yeah, I have hope this year. Do you know about the team this year? Are you excited about them? Like they got a young quarterback, Sam Howell. They've got um, they brought in Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator out of Kansas City. Like there is hope that they've got a really good set of receivers. Like there's a possibility they're actually okay this year, despite all of the disaster around them. Like they're for the first time in maybe years since RG three, there's a shot they're okay this year. How does that feel? How does that hear to sound? Or how, soundy? How does that sound to you? The command, the commanders. Yeah, that sounds like every other year. <laughs> Ever. Hey, at least you're realistic. I love that. Yeah, every team, it's their job in the off season to give you hope. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I refuse. I refuse. And I'm not a bandwagon fan. You know, I, I still want them to win. I I just, I'm not invested in it. Yeah. Whether they win or lose. No, no, no. Well, even like, do you know, so their quarterback this year, they, instead of drafting or making a big move, they did something either going to be genius or horrible. They they cheaped out and just said, we're going to stick with our, our fifth round rookie or our second year quarterback who we drafted in the fifth round. We're going to do nothing. No, no big moves, nothing. And it certainly was cheap. But they're saying, well, two years ago, he was viewed as a number one overall pick, and you know we got him in the fifth round. It's like, well, you, you just sold me an argument. You created us a, a really great sales pitch on this player. I don't believe you at all, but we'll see. Like, I'm, I have an open mind, but I don't trust you. But he, he, he does look, he does look good. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to wait and see what he's got going on. You know, he doesn't look bad. But again, you know, you go on YouTube. You look up somebody's highlight videos; they all look like number one draft picks. <laughs> you know, true. Oh yeah. And and, and, and you talking about Sam? You talking about Sam Howell? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it, it would have been nice to it would have nice to have that strategy when we were giving Kirk Cousins, you know, a hundred million dollars, <laughs> so he could walk away and go get another hundred million dollars from somebody else. Dude, what was that ever like being a fan watching? Because you, I, you watch every game. Like, what's it like to watch Kirk Cousins week to week? Like, and knowing that's like after RG three to Kirk Cousins, that can't be easy. 
Well, no, because I, you know, I didn't mind Kirk Cousins. I just didn't think. It was like when, when, when we when we turn to Kirk Cousins, it's it's like I don't think the coach he had won any. You know. Yeah. Because because the Vikings, you know, because you know what it is, Kirk. Kirk Cousins is gonna give you. Kirk Cousins is a, he was a star. He's not a superstar. Yeah, he's so you know he he's he, definitely he not could, bad. Yeah, he could take you to he could take you to the playoffs. I've never seen him dominate a game or take over a game. I mean, he looks good now, but I mean, you give you give anybody Jefferson, you know Jefferson will make me look good. You know, oh yeah, like he's he's literally he's one of those receivers you could throw it anywhere in his orbit. And he and he is stacking the deck, you know. So you know, I, Kirk Cousins is better than anything we've had since. How do you feel about the name change? I don't care. You know, it's one of those things where some, some you know, some people took it real personal. Um, you know, but you, you know, your team was your team. I mean, they weren't always the Redskins. They were the Boston Braves at one point. Uh, and I think that's the only name change they ever had. But it's like, you know, is it? it, it, it I think it's. I think a lot of times we like we live in a generation where people, people look for things to be upset about, because be, you know being outraged is in vogue, and so it's like, oh, does that really does it really matter to you what the name of the team is? I mean, I would I would have liked if they to let the the fan base actually vote on it, you know, because I think, you know, Commanders is kind of lame, but it is. But it's what it is. That's what being a fan is. You stick through it thick and thin, even through the stupid name or whatever. You know, yeah. That's so. I went through a journey. I'm. A, I was a Mariners fan growing up. Seattle Mariners, their baseball team. Uh, and I, I watched them get mismanaged year after year, like bad decision after bad decision, and it broke me. And I, for a long time, I said I'm not a Mariners fan. I used to be a Mariners fan, and then they made the playoffs, and I was like, dang it! Like, as much as I have all this hatred and and pent up stuff, like emotionally, I'm still tied to this team. I still am happy when they win. When I look at the scoreboard and they lose, I'm still sad. And I'm like, I, I can't, I'll never be able to emotionally separate myself. Do you feel that way with Washington? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it still affects me a little bit, but I, I try not to. I, I'm not obsessed with it, mm. you know? That's healthy. Like, I, 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 yeah, I still love watching football. And, so you know, I'll still watch a game, you know, and and you know, I'll still watch the highlights and stuff like that. But I'm not, you know, I don't do fantasy leagues. I don't do anything that makes me have to keep up with it beyond watching the game. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm I'm curious. Yeah. No, no, no. I. Go yeah, good. I let people like you keep me informed. Mm. You know, I I watch I watch you. I watch you know the various like FS1 stuff. Um, but and that's it. Like I let that keep me a abreast of like the storylines and the drama and the, <laughs> but I don't I'm not subscribed to any of the fan sites I'm not in any of the subreddits you know I don't I don't subscribe to any YouTube channel that's specifically for my team you know no none of that did you play football back in the day very briefly what'd you play what position very briefly I I, I went out for running back and uh and linebacker when I was when I was a little kid yeah, but I but uh, I I I love the strategy of it, but I I think I'm more of a coach than a like I I I didn't like uh, getting hit in the head, 
you know? I, that's the best line I've ever heard from anybody. I'm more of a coach. <laughs> like, the awareness, yeah, yeah, like, ah. yeah, I'm more of a strategizer. <laughs> no, kidding, hit guy. <laughs> okay, we, one last football thing. I want to talk about comedy in a minute. I, I have so many questions, but I, we have a shared hatred or a shared, I don't know if I want to say I hate these people, but they certainly are entertaining and they bring me a lot of joy and a lot of content and a lot of entertainment is Cowboys fans. You got to tell me how you feel about Cowboys oh. fans. Well, yeah, they're 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 trash people. <laughs> um, listen, listen. I don't know how the Cowboys fan. I mean, I I just moved to Austin, so I'm you know, and this will be my first football season here. Really, actually, I, I moved here last August, but mm-hmm. I wasn't really out. Yeah. So this is my first full football season in Austin. And uh, and I, I don't know I don't know if there is if they are as insufferable here as they are back home. But like I told you, my whole life, you know, anytime the Cowboys win or the the Washington would lose, or especially if they beat us or we beat them, it was always, you know, for the whole week, the whole family is arguing, sending texts, sending memes, and so they just irritate me because that's. They were bred to do that, they, to, to to be irritated. No class. I mean, they, you know what? To be honest with you, they are, they are classier than Eagles fans. Mm. Uh, only Eagles and Raiders, whenever the Eagles or Raiders played us at home, they, that was the only time there were fights in the bathroom. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, there were, you know, there'd be fights every game sometimes. People get drunk, whatever. But only Raiders and Eagles fans will fight you in the bathroom. You know, it's penises out. Why we throwing punches? No class to speak with. Have you done comedy in Philadelphia? I have, yeah. Actually, I love doing comedy. It's a fun that. city, man. Like, well, because the same intensity yeah. they bring to sports, they bring to everything. They're like, actually, like my dream job if I didn't do national sports, if I did like local radio somewhere, would be either Philly or New York. But I, I would kind of lean towards Philly because of the yeah. passion and the energy there is insane. Yeah, you know, you know what I say, Philly. When you're in Philly, it feels like you're in a movie about Philadelphia. It's like it's, it's exactly what you expect it to be. You know what I mean? The, it's the it might be the only place that's portrayed in movies and TV and media exactly correctly. Mm. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's good food. It, uh, you know, and people are. They're like this. It's like a hard work, like a blue collar place. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Let's let's talk about comedy. I'm curious. Um, I think the way I'd, I'd like to frame this conversation is that you're hilarious, like, and you take it very seriously. And I'm I'm curious about your the way you view it as a career. Like, when was there a moment, or when was the moment you were like, hey, I think I can turn this into something. I think this is, if I work at this and really, because I I've done stand up a little bit, I know how hard it is, and I I did it enough to know, hey, I this probably isn't for me. And I, I have so much admiration um, for you. Tell me when the, it first clicked and you're like, I think I could do this as a career. Oh, the first time somebody gave me money. No, or, no, because that's different. I was Getting paid is I, one thing, but but there's a moment where it clicks. You're like, okay, I think I could turn this into something where you start working at it. You start no, no, writing. No. Yeah. No, no, that's what I mean is because in the beginning, nobody would say you're funny. Mm. They would just book you on stuff, you know? So like my... You know, I was doing shows here, there. I pro- I'd probably done, you know, maybe 25, 30 open mics, and I'd done 
maybe five or six shows, but on that sixth show, uh, it was that it was the first time I was on a show that had a tip bucket, you know, and they and so the audience put money in the tip bucket, and you know, and everybody got a cut of the bucket. There, everybody didn't get an equal cut of the bucket. But somebody gave me, you know, I ended up giving me 20 bucks for something that I wasn't expecting to get any money for. You know, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, hold on now. I was like, 20 bucks? Hey, well, wait a minute. He was like, yeah, yeah, but you stick around long enough, and, you know, and we'll give, we'll give you 40. And I was like, really? And I, and I was like, if I, if I can get that up to, you know, if I can get 10 of these a week, you know, which was unrealistic. Sure. But, but I didn't know that. It yeah. like, if I, like, but if I can get this up to a substantial amount and enough shows, I wouldn't have to do anything else. Bing. You know? Yeah. And so, uh, and then maybe, well, I think maybe, maybe, maybe a year went by. And then I did a show with, uh, I got to be a guest. There's a comic named, uh, named uh, Clint Coley. That used to open for DL Hugh, and he talked DL. DL was headlining the, the comedy club that I worked at, and he talked. He talked him into giving me like a five minute guest spot or whatever. And I did my little guest spot, and I remember him coming up to me afterwards. He didn't see it by the way, but he heard about it. He came to me afterwards, and he like repeated the joke. He's like, "Hey, you got some, got some good stuff there." And he's like, "Hey, listen, just uh," he's like, "Try your best to be good to people on your on your way up." And that's all he said. That was the only advice he gave. And and right then I was like, oh, you know what? I'm doing this. I'm all in. Like what like whatever that means, whatever it costs me, I'm just gonna do it. You know? So even if that means I'm gonna I'm gonna be living in a truck or whatever, like I'm going on it. And I did. I dropped out of school. Um, I started working at a pub, I moved to LA with no plan. You know, ended up ended up living in a homeless shelter, but I but I got a job as a door guy at the comedy store. You know, so it was like every time something, every time something made made me want to stop, something else would happen to make me go, oh, you can't stop. Man, are you, know? you you're aware? I I hope of how in, incredible that story is. Like to to say because I I believe you were you're a veteran. You you served in the military. I think I assume before this. Yeah. And then you get out. Yeah, it sounds like you went yeah. to school and we're like working. And you're, and then you're like, screw all this. I know I have a dream. I know what I want to do. And I'll do literally anything it takes to make it happen. Is that accurate? Yeah. That's amazing, man. Well yeah. done. I mean, you've done very well. That's and, very cool. Yeah, but you know what, though? It it also irritates me that, my, that that's my story because I think, it, I think it's a... It it it's it sounds good rhetoric like it's good it's good rhetoric to say to say you know just go after your dreams and all this but it's like but but what you're really doing is you're gambling oh yeah you you know yeah so so it so it's like it doesn't you know for every me there's fifty other people that are you know because look because I was in that homeless shelter with people with dreams and and some and some of them were very talented you know. And I haven't heard of them. I haven't heard from them since, you know. So it's like for every one of me that made it, there's fifty, a hundred other people that didn't, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's not, 
it's not, you know, it's not a matter of you just wanting it bad enough. You know, all that shit sounds good when people say it. Oh, you just want, if you just want it bad enough. No, you have to really, you have to really accept that it, it may not happen. You, the, the decision you're making is the attempt. That the attempt is what takes courage, but also you have to accept that it may not happen. Like the, that's the gamble you're taking is like, because I could easily, I could easily be like a, a busboy somewhere or a bar back somewhere right still right now, but I, but I accepted that, fifteen years, yeah, you know, look, you cover, you cover sports, you see a lot of these athletes, you, you see like last chance you and you know, it, and think about everybody that gets drafted, think about all the, you know, all the thousands of other people that had the same dream and they just aren't ever going to do it, you know. Or, or people that, and they had the talent and everything. It's some freak accident, you know, the tore ligament or, you know, they got in trouble with the law or something, you know? So, you know, I don't want, I don't, I, I, I don't like it when people use my story to be like, yeah, see, he made it, just go after it. And it's like, no, 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 really think about what you're doing and make sure, uh, make sure it's a choice that you're making and make sure that you, that you know what you're risking. I mean, well, if, can I speak to that? I, I, I took a risk. I, yeah. I, I knew the place I wanted to be was Hawaii. And I don't know if you know, I took a break and walked away for a while. And I actually did HVAC. I was installing air conditioning units. And uh, I was like, I want to be in Hawaii. How can I make that happen? That's my dream. And I got an opportunity. I made it happen. And I said, well, if I fail at coming back to YouTube, I can always go lean back on doing HVAC. But I, I jumped into coming this comeback knowing that this may not work and it's gone really well. And I think it's actually going to work. I got a big sponsor for next month and it's kind of insane how quickly I've actually got back to where I'm like, okay, I can breathe and I'm okay. I didn't realize it'd be this quick, but I knew when I came back to Hawaii, strong opinion sports may not succeed and I might have to go back to HVAC, but you're, you're going to have to rip me out of this island. Like the same way you had this dream to get to do comedy for a job. I'm like, yeah. they're going to pull me kicking and screaming out of Honolulu. Like I'm not going to leave. I'll do any job it takes to live here. And uh, so I, I totally yeah. understand what you're saying that that willingness to show business just because you work hard and and do a lot of stuff doesn't mean you're going to succeed. It takes a lot of I think luck is is actually a big part of it too that we don't talk about. Like I know yeah. a lot of guys that work really hard. Luck is a huge part of it. And have gone nowhere. And uh I think that Yeah, man. As you're right. I, you have to acknowledge that. It it seems cruel to not do that. I mean, I yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You work hard so that when your luck comes in, you can take advantage. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's that's that that's what the hard work for. The hard work doesn't, and you may not never get your shot, mm. or or you know, right when you're ready, you know, the business might be looking in another direction. Things might shift up up under your feet, you know. But for me, it was always just I knew that I couldn't do another thing because I'd had great jobs before before all this. And I was miserable. I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. And I knew I had to do something like this. I didn't know it was comedy at the time, but I knew I had to do something other than the traditional nine to five. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. There's no shame in having a, having a job, but I, but I've been, I've been bad at and fired from every job or quit. You know, and because I can't, 
I, I just I don't know, man. I I feel constrained. I feel like because when I got out of service and I, I I worked I worked at Intel for a little while. I worked at the Pentagon for a little while, and both jobs were very great, paid well, good time off, good you know good hours, all those things. But I just I just felt like none of it mattered. You know, like I'm sitting, I'm sitting on like I'm doing a job that I could teach, I could teach a fucking ten year old how to do this, and I'm not happy. Yeah, I'm making good money, but I hate this. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and com and com comedy was the first thing that I ever found in my whole life that I was good at and I love doing. Mm. You know, yeah. I've been good at a lot of things that I didn't enjoy, and I've I've enjoyed a lot of things that I wasn't good at. But comedy was the first thing that was both. <laughs> and so, at, for me, it was more like it wasn't even real. It was a no brainer, and it it was still it was ridiculous to think that I could actually be great at it. You know, but uh, you know, it's so funny. Other people started believing in me before I did. Really. That, that, that was that was the other part of it too was like people that were great at it were telling me that I could be you know so I you know so I didn't just go all blind faith as I'm sure you like I'm sure there's a lot of people in your life or a lot of other YouTubers or a lot of other sports personalities that are like hey man what you're doing is great you know and that's what yeah that's like ambrosia from the gods when you hear that from people you know certain people yeah so I actually I have a story about that please do I was in a crawl space two, three months ago, and I got a phone call from a really, I'll just say this, a, a really big podcaster in the sports world who kind of blew my mind. I don't know how they got my number. I don't know what happened. I'm literally under a house next to rat poop, like working on a refrigerant line. I get a phone call, and this guy calls me. He goes, why are you not doing the show? Like, why are you not talking about sports? And I didn't have a good answer. It's like, you should be back. And that was the first moment I was like, it kind of got the gears turning, like I should maybe come back. And it was getting a vote of confidence from a, another outside source, like a peer that made me go, oh, like maybe I, it kind of gave me the first step towards having confidence again that I should come back. Like I, maybe I'm good at this. Was it Pat McAfee or Sherry Shaw? I'm not saying anything, man. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not kidding. saying I'm kidding. Kidding. I'm anything. Kidding. Well, those, <laughs> those are the biggest names in the, um, no, uh, but yeah, you do, you have a, you have a, you have a very specific style and it's very thorough and in-depth and there's there is a there is a huge part of the sports fan world that wants that you know especially nowadays where it's you know quick hot takes and debates and it doesn't go in that you know because like because you won't tell me that Jim Zorn sucks and move on, you'll go, here is 10 reasons why Jim Zorn was a bad coach. You know, and, and break and go through film and, you know, like a lot of people don't go that in depth about it. They just want a hot take for the views, you know? Cause I remember seeing you when you first started, I might've caught you on like maybe a second or third video. You know, I was like, this, this dude is, this dude is <laughs> is better than most of the stuff on ESPN. Yeah, it's only a matter of time then before you before you really, yeah, you're gonna you capture the sports nerds. That's Thank a, you, that's man. your that's your audience, the sports nerds, the people mm. that are really into it. You know, yeah, yeah. like lay the, the lazy ones. You're because <laughs> I'm I'm the type of person where I will 
I want to know all that stuff, but I don't want to do all that research, you know? Mm. Yeah. Dude, uh, thank you, man. I, uh, I paid the fee. I have access to the all 22, but I'm ne I never watch it. <laughs> I, I'm curious, because you said something earlier. You started, you got paid like 30 open mics into getting it. So how does a guy end up doing 30 open mics? Like, because that's still a decision. You're still, you still were like, hey, I'm, I might be good at this. I might, there, there's a decision made to go do an open mic. Because I did two. And after two, I was like, I got to laugh enough. And it was really painful when I didn't get a laugh. And I'm like, I'm just, I don't think I'm going to do this ever again. So you 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 kept going no. through that. How did that happen? Oh uh, yeah. Um, well, uh, it initially, I mean, I'd always been encouraged since I was in the service to try to do stand up, and I never really was serious serious about it. And then one day, uh, um, I went to a show with a friend of mine, and it was it was real bad. And I think it was my first comedy. It was my second comedy show in my whole life. And it and it was so much. It was so bad. I couldn't believe it. And she goes, "Well, you're funnier than all these people." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, you know what? I'm gonna give it a shot." And then walking home that night, or maybe it was the next night, I walked into this bar that I never walked into, and I was laughing and joking at the bar with these people. And and it turns out that they had just ended this. Uh, the storytelling show, and they they were like they they were like this nonprofit. They're called So Say We All in San Diego, but they still exist too. They they uh, they do they do storytelling in a very uh, like modern way, and and they were thinking about doing trying comedy. And the guy, then the guy running the whole organization, he was like, yo, we have a comedy show up coming up in like three months. You want to be on it? I was like, sure. And, and so I started, I was already booked and I started yeah. going to open mics to get to that. Mm. So yeah. Like prepared. And so, oh yeah, because, because all my friends, all my veteran friends that had been in the state in San Diego had been waiting for me to do comedy, all the, you know, they were all going to show up and I just didn't want to embarrass myself. You know? Yeah. What's your writing process like? I mean, I do you sit down and write regularly? I, I, uh, I think the best thing I got from HVAC was it taught me discipline of like I really sit down now and I I tune everything out and I just write for hours. What's your What's your process like? It's weird to not have a, a set schedule that you can make yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it it just depends on what's going on, but but but. Um, but generally, I write down anything I say that gets a laugh or has everyone quiet and paying attention to it. Mm. And, um, or anything that makes me feel like some kind of strong emotion. Uh, because I tend to complain funny. So when I'm when I'm when something really gets to me and I'm really complaining about it, is when a lot of the funny stuff comes out. So I tend to write it down and then I go home and you know I think on it. I go on stage, I rant about it. You know, I record it. I come back. I listen to it. I type it out. I edit it. You know, and so it's it's just that over and over and over again. And that, and obviously it's it gets hard sometimes, but I just I just tell myself you know that I'll do it for five minutes every day you know and sometimes it's five minutes and sometimes it turns into three or four hours but uh, i'm a big fan of work-life balance you know 
I don't, I don't overwork myself. Yeah, I always make sure I have time to just chill and do nothing and just think. Yeah, think about it. Think about what. Think about think about like Neil deGrasse Tyson or Michio Kaku or what? What is it? They're theoretical physicists. You know what that means? Theoretical. Like their job. <laughs> yeah, their job is just to sit around and think, <laughs> and then tell people what they think. That's it. I mean, obviously they all have side gigs, they professors or whatever. But yeah, they're they're what they do is theoretical physics. And so it's like if they if, if they sitting around thinking, you know, I'm trying to do that too. I'm trying to do theoretical comedy. I'm I'm sitting around theorizing jokes, you know. And sometimes that I means you just gotta chill, you know, which makes it tough because sometimes your loved ones don't respect the fact that you that you appear to be doing nothing. Yeah, you know. But it's like, but I'm really doing everything right now. I just need you to, I you know, I need you to leave me alone so I can do everything. And you look at it like I'm doing nothing, you but- know. I, I think so. I know a lot of comedians uh, here in Hawaii that are friends of mine, and they're they're usually comedians are my favorite people because you guys spend all day thinking, and you think about the shit that makes people uncomfortable, the stuff that is taboo, the stuff, and you like ask, you think, and often ask questions, and ten usually co- comedians have some of my favorite thought process just on whether it's funny or not, just in life because everything they're doing is thought through and thought out. And that's something I think society lacks yeah, in general yeah. is people aren't thinking about, why do I believe this? Does this make sense? Does that, And you, you guys tend to ask yourself lots of questions that are probably everyone should do. It's really healthy to do that. Yeah, well, uh, you know, comedians are just, uh, they're just the most tolerable narcissists, you know? We're, self, we're self-aware narcissists. It's like we, are not, we keep our narcissism in check you, but it is constantly thinking about yourself mm. and thinking about what you think and why you think. It's a, so it's a, it's, it becomes almost a, a self-obsession. You, you're, you become obsessed with your point of view and that sort of thing. But it's, but it's, I mean, I, I imagine there's, you know, other artists would say the same thing about themselves. I don't know. No, I think there's a lot of parallels between what we do and what you, what I do and what you do, like where we're both sitting and thinking and writing and why, why does my oh, opinion yeah. about sports matter? Like, I, that's a question I had to really wrestle with over the last year. It's like, yeah, and dealing with am I a narcissist was like a huge question I had to like kind of grapple with. Yeah, but if you even if you're asking that question, then you're not a narcissist. <clears throat> a narcissist would never would never ponder that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So actually, I heard I heard I heard I heard a dope line today. Somebody told me um, that narcissists. Fear being the an average person. Mm. Their biggest fear is being seen as not special. True, you know. As and I think you know. So the to temper your not because you have to you have to have like a little pinch of narcissism, which doesn't make you a narcissist. But to to think that your opinion, the world needs to hear it. You know. But I think asking, checking yourself is is the is the piece that a lot of narcissists miss. Is you know you have to turn it off. You know because you have to do your show. Like you can't start your show off with, "Hey guys, I'm not solid on all of this." <laughs> but yeah, it, you, I'm just you know, an idiot. Kind of what I think. Like, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, 
But that works. That works for some people. I don't know anybody funny that's stupid, though. No. I don't think so, you can be. Yeah, like, I see I see, I see, see Bill Burr all the time. Like, oh, I'm just a dumb guy. It's like, no, you're not. I feel. No. Come on, Bill. <laughs> no way. No way. You have to, you gotta, you have to, because you, I don't know anybody that is consistently hilarious that mm. isn't really intelligent. Mm. Yeah. I, I heard a quote on, do you ever watch the TV show The Bear? Have you ever heard of that? I keep hearing about it. Man, I it, keep hearing about it. it. I, so my, my brother died, so it was hard for me the first season because it's about a little bit of dead brother stuff in there. But I just finished season two the other day, and there's a great quote in it where, um, actually, the guy who plays, you, you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Yeah. The the golden dude from that movie has a cameo in the show, and he, he gives a line. He says, "Oh, you're you're a better chef when you go and see the world. Like, you, you need inspiration. You need to go out there and enjoy life, and that'll make you better in the kitchen. Basically, like, if you spend all your time in your office working and writing and preparing sports content and don't go out and enjoy life you're not gonna be as good of a, po- a podcaster that's how what i got out of it and i would imagine it's similar with comedy in fact it's probably everything for comedy like you have to go out and have experiences oh, and yeah. enjoy stuff because you, because what you're what you're doing is you're putting your emotions into words mm. you're translating to other you're translating to the outside world how you feel about things and if you don't understand how the average person thinks or lives or sees the world, how can you possibly do, you know, it's like, I'll give you a perfect example. I saw a guy, I did a show at what, which, which was essentially somewhere between a prison and a halfway house. It was like one of those things where uh, people that had been in prison for longer than 10 years or people that were doing, that had been in, had got a life sentence or were about to die or something like that. They, they, they got to spend the last year and a half or something in this. It was like an apartment bill. It was like an apartment complex, but they, 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 they were still in prison. Like they still had prison guards. They they had ankle monitors, but they didn't have bars. They had like apartments. But they, you know, they had to come back every night if if they had a job. That kind of thing. It was like to yeah. to try to ease them into the world because if you've been in prison for 15 years, like you won't get out and you don't know anything. You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, but we so we do we do the show for the prisoners and and the only thing they told us not to do was like don't say anything sexual with regards to the female guards. Right? That was our only restriction. We didn't talk <laughs> about anything else. And the guy that goes up before me his whole act is about his mortgage. You know, you talking to you talking to a bunch of guys that have been in prison for more than ten years. They don't have mortgages. They don't no. even know what you're talking. No. You understand what I'm saying? And yeah. It's, and it's like, it's like you don't. He, and it's because he lacked experience with anybody that he probably has never been around anybody that's been in prison or, you know, so he didn't know he 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 couldn't because there's a way he could have talked to them about mortgages, but he. Because he didn't understand anything about their lives or how they were living, he couldn't make any analogies, you know, or any any comparisons, and so it just it just fell flat. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 that that's what I'm, you know, that's that's an example of what you were talking about, where it's like you have to get out and see the world if you're going to talk to the world. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's all you see those you see those kitchen nightmares people where they 
you know, the restaurant used to be a hit and now it's failing. And they go, you know, and you see pictures of the wall where they, they were in the paper in 89. And, the, and the you know, they don't want to change the recipe because the grandfather insists that it's the best ever, you know. And it's like, yeah, go get out of here. Go see with the different flavors, because that's what, the best chefs are always tasting new stuff, and mm. yeah, you know, yeah, it just, it just goes to what she was saying. Like, hey, you have to be of the world to, because those are the only comics that fall off, the ones that lose touch. Mm. Well, what's your strategy? How do you? How are you planning to stay grounded and keep in touch with like a regular everyday guy as you go bigger in comedy? You know what? I started working on this recently is I don't I don't shit on the kids. I don't I don't um I don't automatically reject the young people and their crazy way they see the world and all of that because that's how you lose touch. Even if it don't make even if it doesn't make sense to you, even if the world is no longer for you, you still need to be able to understand it instead of being dismissive of it. I make fun of them, you know, but, but I don't, uh, I don't mean it. Like I'm not mean to them. I don't, I don't think they're stupid. I don't think they're this or that. I just, I, it, and, and I pay attention to the youth and what they're saying and where they're, and where they're headed, you know, cause then I can call them soft from an educated point of view rather than an emotional yeah. reaction. Yeah, when you understand a person's perspective, you can speak to them better. You have to, like, I don't want to get into, you know, but anything political, right? I try to always understand both sides. I don't want to talk about politics here, but it's, I try to understand where another perspective might be coming from. And it it helps me really, you know, I I have friends on both sides of politics and I get along with everyone great because I understand why they are coming from where they are. And it really helps me, like, relating to people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, well, it's it's hard to avoid politics in my line of work. Yeah. Um, but it's easy for it's easy for me to talk about politics because uh, I think they're all these. <laughs> yeah. I think they're oh, all yeah. these. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm not I'm not even on a side when it comes to politicians. I mean, I have political views. Yeah. But the but the but anybody that wants power, I'm suspicious of. Yeah. So right away. I'm. I'm. Tr- if, as soon as I see you on a ballot, you my enemy. That's how I. I think you're the enemy of. of I, I, you know. And, uh, look, what we what we really need is from the storybooks. We need a reluctant hero. We need somebody that like that we make to be president. Like they don't want <laughs> yeah. to, but we like we force them to. Like we we do a GoFundMe and raise up the money and we and we surprise surprise Susan, you running for president. She's like, what? But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gotta be you. The way you won this bakery, everybody loves you. Yeah, you know, so you got successful business. Yeah, we just you're on the ballot. Uh, oh my god, I can't believe it! I can't. Yes, you have to. We, yeah, we we need that kind of person. Yeah, you need someone who doesn't. You know, someone asked me once on Patreon, w- would I run for president? I'm like, I I don't want to do that, but it probably should be someone who doesn't want power, who, and would listen to everybody. And there was a point in my life where I almost became oh, yeah. a cop, not because I really want to be a cop, but because I wanted to fix stuff. And I was like, it probably should be someone like me who who tries to do that someone who is empathetic and you would never think of as a cop. I remember being like, I didn't do that, obviously. But I remember thinking, like, it, it, it should be people that don't want it that have those positions of power. <laughs> right. But I was, uh, that's the whole antithesis of our whole system. Yeah. 
is you kind of have you have to want it to get yeah. it. You know, I I wonder if politicians struggle with that. If it, like, do you think you know? You think AOC or Trump ever sits around and goes, "Am I a narcissist?" I don't know because they never ask that question, right? Like, I, I would think I AOC think might so. ask that more than. So I know a guy. I went to college at Lewis and Clark College in uh, Portland, Oregon, like a really pretentious liberal arts school. I played football there for a year. Um, and I, I knew a guy who was like really fighting hard to be in politics. And I don't, I don't, I think he is a successful politician. And he never struck me as the kind of guy who had any kind of empathy or thought about that stuff. Like he, he didn't care. He wasn't trying to help anybody or care for anything. Um, I, I'm curious, can, can I ask you, let, let's step away from this, this conversation. I'd love to ask you about something I think was a big break for you. Um, how did you end up in, in Joe Rogan's sphere, like in his orbit? How did that happen? Um, the, the, uh, the short answer is Tom Segura. Hmm. Big fan of Tom. He's funny. Yeah, Tom Segura. Yeah. yeah. That's the homie. His special just came out on Netflix. Um, it's, it's, he's so it's funny. Awesome. Um, yeah, but he's, uh, but he was, he was, the, he was, the, he was the, the person that really, really, um, uh, you know, he really helped me when I had anything going on, you know? And, uh, like you said, just look like I walked, I was, I was on a show that he was going to pop in on one day. And as I was getting off stage, he was like, Hey man, it was good stuff. I was like, thanks man. And then like a year later, he remembered me and just, and called me out the blue and was like, Hey, uh, you know, you want to open for my show here in the building? I'm like, yep. You know, and I came through and I'm sitting in the green room with, with, uh, with him and Christina P. You know, and I, and I told him my whole story, you know, the, the foster kid, the, co- the military, the comedy, the homeless, the, the comedy, so they were like, what? And I was about to leave. I was about to leave LA because I was just over it, you know. And they talked me, they talked me in a stand. Um, you know, Tom took me on tour uh, with him. Um, so it was like, like my first little taste of like doing a giant theater and it was, it was real cool. And then, you know, fast forward a few years later, I'm about to film my half hour for Netflix, or at least it, it's coming, it's coming, it's down the pipe. And uh, by that time, Rogan had already moved to Austin and, and a lot of my friends had moved to Austin. So, so um, I, I, there's a lot of my homies, you know, Derek posted, Hassan Ahmad and Matt Lockwood, and we all, we all started in San Diego together and we all moved to LA together and they all, they all came to uh, to Austin before I did, and I just I was just coming out here to visit, you know, and I get and I get out here, and then out of the blue I get a call from Joe Rogan, and he's like, "Hey, what's going on? Hey, uh, Segura gave me your number. Like, you want to come to a spot?" And I was like, "Yeah." And yeah, Segura was kept telling him I was funny, and he wanted to see for mm. himself, and he saw me he saw me be funny once, twice, and then he was like, "Hey, man, you got it." He's like, "Whatever, if, any help you need, let me know." Hmm. Yeah, and he meant that. Too. That's awesome. Yeah, I think. Well, to me, I, I don't. I don't know Joe Rogan. I never met him, but I've, I've listened to him for hours. And I, he strikes me as a man who wants to do good and is very kind. And I, it, I don't know him, so it's weird to say like it hurts me when I see people attack him. But it does make me like I feel like he's so misunderstood. 
and that really it's like ah we're i think people are just missing what he's about is that does does i don't want to talk much more than than, about him than this but does it affect you at all or do you do you feel like he's misunderstood because it feels to me like the people that don't like him just don't know him well enough it's really sad actually yeah and i think uh you know the the other side of that too is that he he he's not the type of dude that would tell you like he wouldn't he wouldn't brag about all the things he's done all the people he's helped you know all the people he's he's made helped make successful all the things he's you know uh you know he he wouldn't even he wouldn't bring it in any of that so it's like even in the midst of people you know you know um uh he would he wouldn't bring it up but you know and, and i and i'll say that all that started when he started talking to politicians on the pod yeah. like they ruined everything i hate i hate them yeah. so much yeah yeah because then he himself became a political football or whatever yeah. you know and so yeah i i hate that but but yeah i but i but i just at the end of the day man it's like as long as you conduct yourself with honor and you know your intentions, you know, you don't have to, you, you just gotta live your life. You know, and I think that's how, I think that's how he goes about it, man. I see, I've seen him do, go out of his way to be kind to people, you know, so, so that I can only tell people what I see. Yeah. A, a lot of the people that talk, that talk trash, they talk it from a distance, you know, which is fine too. I mean, I guess that's what I do on the podcast. Like, I, like I don't know that million. I don't know that billionaire that went down in the in the in the sub or what he was thinking or whatever. I still make fun of him. Yeah, I listened you to know, that episode. That, it was funny. <laughs> yeah, that's the price you pay for living the public yeah. life is if is the scrutiny that comes with it. So it's all about how you how you allow it to affect you. Do you ever get hate? Do people ever hate on you? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, people, you know, because we live in a day and age where everyone thinks their opinion is valuable, so they have to share it with you. You know, but I just, I've gotten to the point now where, like, I don't even, I, I barely read any of the comments or feedback or whatever. It's, it's like, I just do what I think is dope, and I put it out. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll know people like it when people, was, you know, when people watch it. Yeah. Or share it. You know, yeah, I don't have to read every little... Yeah. Yeah. It used to really affect me. Like I really, I really struggled with it. And, uh, I, I did HVAC and I had this guy named Kevin yelling at me for like months. You suck. You're not good. And it, it really like broke me of all this like stress about what people think. I was like, Oh wait, like I, it just really was good for me. I'm curious. Like, is there any parallel with the military? Did the military help you at all? Or like shape you into the person you are? Uh, yeah, to some degree, you know, uh, I always say that uh, if I took one thing from the military, it was I, I learned how to be miserable mm. and still be productive. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's not the I don't wallow in misery. Yeah. I I just keep it pushing. You can endure. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm resilient. That's it. You know. Um, because there's, you know, and I was around people that were hard, hard living people, you know, where, yeah, you know, they, you know, and whatever they ask you to do, they would do twice as much, you know? And, and so when you, when you see that, yeah, you, when you, because I'll, I'll put it like this, you don't know 
until you've been through something, you don't know, you don't know that you can get through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, and so being put through things that I didn't think I could get through, you know, or, you know, or thinking I had no more in the tank and then I got to, I still got to run another mile, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. Thinking that, thinking that, you know, I, I learned that there's a difference between, there's a difference between doing things, uh, like try, trying your hardest isn't trying until it's hard. You know, it's, it's trying until it's hard and then keep going. That's your, your hardest is past that where it gets hard. And the, yeah. And up until that point, I think I would always quit when things got hard and go, I tried my hardest, you know, and that, that and then, yeah, but you, but you can't tell a drill that you tried your hardest. They don't care. You know, he's like, uh, no, they're like, well, listen, your food, your food is two miles that way. <laughs> so, you know, you can try, I guess if you try your hardest, you can starve out here. <laughs> if you want dinner, it's that <laughs> way. It's two miles that way. It, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, you know, um, I've been through a lot of a hard, what I would call hard stuff, and it really gave me confidence. Now when bad stuff happens, I'm kind of like, I'll be fine. Like, I've been through this and that, and it gave me confidence that I could push through. I would assume it's the same thing for you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the downside to that, though, is, well, you know, sometimes when people talk, talk to me about their problems, I don't have the correct yeah. response, yeah. you know. So... You got to, yeah, had to work on my empathy over the years. We got to remember, like, people, so, like, my brother killed himself, right? And that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But someone, for them, they've had an easy life. It's it's not the way I mean that, but sometimes for them, the worst thing that's ever happened to them is a breakup. And for me, I'm like, a breakup? Like, my brother killed himself. But it's like, wait, wait, whatever the worst thing is for that person, that's still the worst thing they've ever been through. And they're in the same moment I was when my brother died. Right. when you've never experienced anything worse than that, it's you have to remember that. Uh, am I making sense? Like that's the hardest thing you've ever dealt with, and so they're being tested a lot at that at that point. Yeah, yeah, but just, but it's like you have to be kind. Of, it's about self awareness. You have to be cognizant of who you're complaining. To, you know, <laughs> it's like it's like you know you run the you, you know you ran a late today. You got you got to grab a quick lunch, and you walk past the homeless guy and go, oh, "I'm starving." You know, it's like he doesn't care where you you know. It's like you might feel like you're starving. But that doesn't mean anything to him. Now you tell that to a room full of your coworkers, they'll be like, "Oh, me too," you know. So it's just, it's just about know you know knowing your surroundings, reading the room. Are there ever days you don't want to get on stage where you're like, I, you gotta oh, like push oh, yourself yeah. out there and like really turn it on? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely days. Um, you you can get burnt out. You get burnt out, and you know it it it's kind of goes along the lines of what you were saying before, whereas you you. I think you never want to get to a point where the only thing that's happening in your life is comedy, the stand-up. You know, and then you, I think it's also healthy to take, to make sure you have at least a day where you're not, when you when you are purposely not doing the stand-up. So, and it, it's taken me a while to get to that point, but I have a day, sometimes two, that I do not do stand-up. You know, like, and even if, no matter what the gig is, how lucrative, they try to boost it, you know. I don't do stand up on Sunday or Monday, depending on how my how my schedule runs up. But it's like I do, I take the whole day off. I do nothing, and by nothing I just mean I have no obligations. I I, I might still be nowhere to be though. But there's nothing I 
There's nothing I have to do. I might wake up and go back to sleep again. Yeah. You know? You're free. You get a day of freedom. Yeah. I do the I'm, same thing. Exactly. Especially coming back. You know, do you write on that day? Like, I'll, I take Wednesdays off normally. It's my, my day normally to do nothing or to do whatever I want on my own time. But then sometimes if I get an, an idea and I'm inspired on a Wednesday, I'm like, well, time to write. Like, I, and I just have to go with it in the moment. Do you have those kind of boundaries? Like, will you still write on your day off? Nope. Really? I hey, respect hey. that. That's that's nah. impressive. Are you afraid of losing, like, a good idea? Does that ever happen to you? Where you're like, ah, oh, I don't want to lose this. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, no, if I have a great idea, I'll write it down real quick. But I don't write. Mm. Like, I don't sit down. Yeah. And, like, I don't go over it any further than that. I just break out the voice recorder and I might just say it to yeah. myself. Or that's actually better than writing it down for me. Because sometimes you... um. Like there's this race against the clock where I'm trying to write the idea out. It's like what it's like whatever part of my brain that wants to articulate things is not the a creative part. So it, it's almost like trying to remember a dream. Where it's like I'm trying to write it down before I forget it. But in this in the in the rush to get the words, so so I'm either rushing to get the words perfect and I forget the point, or I jot it down in like short form. And then later on, I don't understand what I wrote, you know. So it's way easier for me to like work to make a voice, a little quick voice memo than it is for me to try to write something down real yeah. quick. But I do the same thing. I'll I'll film myself talking on video. I just take a video of like my ceiling and my voice is in the background, just me. Yeah, I'll I'll do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. But but that that's not off limits. But but purposeful, intentional writing, I don't do that. No. Not on my day off. That's I. Yeah, I, I need to be sure I'm doing take, that. I don't take phone. I don't take meetings. Really? I don't take phone calls. Nope. That's Loud. awesome, man. How do you date as a comedian? Like, cause you're traveling a bunch. <laughs> so how does that happen? How, does it happen? It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. Um, I I think you to date as a comedian. I mean, listen to 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 seriously date like be in a relationship. That's what I mean. Yeah, cause I know. Yeah, traveling yeah. means. Fun if you want it, but it also I would think a committed relationship is really difficult. Yeah, but I think you just have to be with a very specific kind of person. Uh, you know, it's it is not as rare as you know. I I think any job, any anything where your job is also a lifestyle. So musician, uh, comedian, military, cop. You know, where it's like when you, when you, when you, there's no real clocking out. And like, you're always that. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. And your friends are all that. And your, you know, it's like your whole life is that thing. It's not just a job when you go leave, you know. So it's like when you have a job like that, it, there's a very specific kind of person that can support you. Um, and you just got to wait till one of those, I mean, they're not like falling off trees, but they're out there. And, um, yeah, because, you know, so, some people just aren't, they just aren't built to, you know, like, like imagine, like, um, imagine the kind of person that would need to marry, a, 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 a you know, a, 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 a SEAL team member or something, you know, that's going on missions, that's gone for months on end, that's, you know, they can't tell you certain stuff, et cetera, right? And now dilute that by like a thousand, and like you would need that same kind of person to marry any um um, um comedian, uh, you know, uh, an officer, a politician, even, 
where they where they can be um where it's like where it's like there's where there's gonna be some points where we are in a relationship with me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where it's like we like all the decisions we make have to be what's best for me sometimes and which which is not the normal way relationships work. You know, most relationships are like it's like we need we need to make decisions for us. You know, but but it, in in you know, and I think when you're married to some, especially an entertainer, but any job like that, where, like I said, the job is a lifestyle, you have to come sometimes make that sacrifice where like you come second to the job. You know, like and, and that's something that's hard for a lot of people to handle in a relationship where like where they come second. You know. Yeah, they gotta have a lot of confidence and be independent. Yeah, you see it all the time in the cop shows. You know, where it's like, oh. You know, I got to go to the crime scene. And it's like, well, you haven't been home in two days. And it's like, you know, you got to be with the kind of person that's okay with that. You know? Yeah. Going all the time, different sleep hours, different work hours. You know? You know, and then even when they're around, they got to be alone sometimes to be creative or whatever. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lot for some people. Um. Do you do you feel like you're the best version of yourself? It, it seems like in the in the a bunch of timelines it could be Brian Simpson's life. You're you're doing the best I can imagine. Do you feel that way? You know that's hard to say. I'm probably definitely. I don't know. Because you know I've always I've always been smart. As though I, I, I used to wonder all the time what my life would be like if I had, if I had, if I grew up normal, with like, with you know the state, like what, like I put it like this: there's a, there's a, there's a kid on YouTube or on a, on Instagram called Miles Music Kid. You saying him? No, I'll write it down. He's a genius. Maybe seven years old, and. Just some musical genius. Oh, I have seen this kid. He makes like incredible music, but he's like a t like a little kid. Yeah, I have yeah, seen this kid. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. amazing. And and to think about the kind of parents that he must—I don't know much about the kid. I'm I'm guessing maybe he, he might be on the spectrum to some degree or something like that. But to have the kind of parents to find his thing and then totally pour everything into it, you know, I always wondered. But but I don't know that because I didn't know what that thing was when I was that young. <laughs> so who knows? But I think I'm I'm probably I'm probably the top five. If if we if we lined up the all the Brian Simpsons in the multiverse, I'd probably be top five. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. There's probably like a healthier version of me that's still hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched a, a show yeah. where I can't remember what it was of you and someone asked like what would it take to give up like your favorite foods? And you're like, man, I ain't doing that for anything. Like, it was like a billion dollars or something crazy. Hey. Like, like no way. Oh, was that bar? Was that the bar? I don't remember what thing? it was, man. It was it was a long time ago too. But there was some video of you like that's what I remember. Like, is you were that's one of the first times I heard of you actually. It was like you were doing some internet show, or something like I can't. I don't even remember. Oh wow! But it was it was a while ago. Um, like, yeah, I'm really curious. Um, I want to talk about. I, I know you're a gamer, and I I. I love games, but I've never ever like one of the the blind spots in my gaming resumes. Diablo, like entirely, I've never played it at all, and I know you're really into it. 
as someone oh, who wow. loves it, can you explain it to me? Someone who who wants to understand it and is curious, like, should I be playing it? I feel weird that I'm not. My, all my friends love it, and I feel weird that I don't. So I, mm. I, I want to hear from someone who's really into it. I mean, it it because I it's one of those games where it's like I don't recommend the people play it because it's a it's a huge time sink, and um. And it's Blizzard, you know, it's Blizzard Activision. So, you know, you have to really love this kind of game, you know, which is which is a which is a, you know, it's a min max game. It's a loot grinder game where you you know you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, hundreds of times for incremental upgrades. Um. But I'm playing The Witcher 3 right now, and that's basically what I'm doing. I'm going to every little question mark on the map and, like, trying to make Geralt, like, a little bit better here and there. Is it? So I, I would assume that's... If I like that gameplay loop, I would think Diablo would speak to me. Is yeah. combat fun? Well, that's where they nailed it. Mm -hmm. The combat is... It's so satisfying to, to kill demons. Um, they made it... They made it feel, the sound design is incredible. They made it feel good, they made it look good. Um, and I'm telling you, is it like, like, you know, hitting a demon with a bolt of lightning and watching his legs go one way and his head go the other way, it's fantastic. Oh, and they all have money. Every demon has money. So you kill a demon and they drop money, So you know. They haven't worked that into the lore, like why that is, <laughs> but it's satisfying. And and then and they they've worked it out was like, and if you get a legendary item or a unique item, which is higher, um, it makes a very like it it's, it makes a a, a thud, it hits the ground like a thud, but a, but a, I don't know how to explain it. It sounds like a hammer attached to a bag of coins, just hit the. I can't even explain. Yeah, but it's like it's like it's a bass and a uh I don't know how to explain it, but it it just they nailed it. Yeah, so it's a, the gameplay loop is fun. The power fantasy is there. There's different classes and different builds theoretically. And um and I I I, I can't explain. I didn't know so many people would be into it. Cuz cuz you know what's so, you know what's so awesome about it is you can be as into it as you want to be. You know what I mean? Like there's some people that play it and they pick up something that looks cool and they put it on and or they pick up something that has a cool effect and they put it on and then there's other people that are you know they're into the stats of each thing and they want to squeeze every single percent out of every single thing and have all the synergy and the builds all sync up together to get the maximum amount of everything and you can be that in depth with it you know because there's people that are probably playing the game right now and they probably have some nice item that they have no idea you know, because they're not, they're not even looking at all the stats. You know, not, they don't care. And there's people like me who are like, I have to go, you know, I have to go through every little, all the minutiae and make sure that it all adds up and stays together. So, yeah, it, I advise that you stay away in the same way that, like, uh, a League of Legends player would tell you to, not, to stay, don't play it. Because it'll suck in. It's great. It's great, but yeah, but yeah, but because if if it is for you, you won't be able to stop. Mm. 
and and the the was the crazy thing is there are people listen. I I've played at least I put probably forty hours into this game, maybe fifty. Right? It came out on June sixth, I wanna say. Right? I put I think maybe forty, fifty hours into this game. And I'm I'm like level ninety. Something. I have a, I have one character at level ninety. The max level yeah, is Yeah, I was gonna say it's a hundred, right? Yeah. Right. There are people that have take, put, taken all five classes to level 100 already. And, and which tells me is like the amount, they, they, they would literally have to have been playing all day, every day. Since is the that fun out. to do? I feel like you're not enjoying it though, if you're doing that. Like, that's a, that's a lot of like your life. I, I don't think I can enjoy something I doing it that much in that short of a time. Like, that's a lot of. Oh yeah. Well, they, but then see, but here's the other thing. There's also people that will, they'll pay money for you to level them up. Man, it defeats the purpose, right? To you, that, like that's e- well, it for me it does. That's even worse. Mm-hmm. You, you're gonna pay somebody so that you look like you're good. Yeah, that's weird. Instead of just getting good, but some maybe some people don't have time. You know, does Elon Musk have time to level his character up? Well, why does why do you need a good if you can't play the game? Why do you need to have a good character? I, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't make it. Is it like who are you, are you posting on Twitter? Like, look, I got five characters at a hundred beat and played it at all. Like, did you? That's so weird to me. Well, it's the status. It's the same sort of people that pay, same people that pay for like aimbots yeah. on on first person shooters. You know, but you aren't actually good at the game, and so the time you're putting, you know, you're playing the games to seem like you're good. And you could have been spending that time actually being good. I don't. I don't understand how those people have fun. I think it's a completely different mindset. Yeah, that's that's really weird. That's like the guys who play Madden on like rookie mode so they can win by eighty. It's like that's not fun either. Like, right, I don't right. like knowing yeah, the outcome ahead of time. Why is rookie mode even in the game? Yeah, I, 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 that should I be don't a know. separate disc that you have to that you have to buy pay, <laughs> out of shame. Do you you know I, I I'm like obsessed in, with madden but i i only play madden 11 like i have i have an xbox 360 i bought like five years ago that literally sits in a tupperware container when it's not being used to keep it nice and like safe and i only play madden 11 on it like i'm an insane person i love madden but i don't play the new maddens at all i just stick with this old like the one with drew Brees in the cover from 2011 because it's the best one in my opinion oh wow like I, i'm just wow. stuck I'm like i can't ever i've tried new ones and i can't i can't do it i love it you know that that then maybe the last time I had any fun playing that maybe maybe I played until twenty thirteen, but once they started coming out with the just the playing cards stuff goodbye. Yeah, Ultimate I, Team. I wasn't as into. Yeah, because yeah, I I used to play I used to obsess over Madden. I would play Madden like three hours a day. You know, I've never played online. I, go, I heard I your, your predicament where like your Xbox account is connected to your Madden or something, and you can't you can't play online anymore. Right, my yeah, my my Xbox account is connected to my oh my old Xbox account is connected to my EA account, and so now and I don't remember the the you know and so all the stuff I've bought for my new Xbox is on my new Xbox account and the and and apparently Madden uh, EA only lets you connect one Xbox account for life and can't ever switch it. They won't even. Can you start a so new EA I, account? That that would make sense, right? Like surely. 
Um, maybe, you know, I didn't think about that. No, but it's connected to my email address. I guess I would have to start a whole number. That's like how bad you want to play Madden? Yeah, I probably you want to start could. a whole new email? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm trying to get into that. Yeah, don't. Or, it'll ruin you know, your life. I just, I, no, no need. I just got a PlayStation. I got a, I got a PlayStation. They just came. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious. So we'll, see, we'll see how it works so out. So days you don't want to get on stage. Back to comedy. I'm sorry. One of those weird tangent. But how do you how do you get yourself on stage when you don't want to do it? Like what? Do you just do it? Do you psych yourself up? Like what? what's that process like? Oh, I just go, man. I got good advice when I first started. And it was just like, you you need to be able to do your material in every mind frame. You know, whether you're sad or depressed or, you know, happy, anxious, like you need to still be able to perform because you're in show business, you know, and sometimes you don't have the option to not do the show. You know, it's like, because, you know, I'm at the point now where, like, the shows are just getting bigger and bigger, and there's more and more at stake. And, you know, you know, so, you know, at some point, I want to be at a point where I'm doing big theaters. You know, so say I, I have some theater that holds 4,000 people, and, you know, and my stomach hurts, you know, and, and showtime, you know, showtime is in 45 minutes. It's like, am I going to cancel the show? You're back, you know that doesn't make sense. It's too bad. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah, so I, I, um, I do, I do that preemptively. I have very few days where I just don't want to go up. Um, uh, you know, and, and the only thing that would change that is if, uh, you know, I would have to be physically unable to. Yeah, you know, it's like Michael Jordan with the flu. Yeah, like I'll you just to... you make it happen regardless. There's a game happening. I got to perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or if it was that, like if it was somewhere I felt like I was going to get other people sick, mm. I, I wouldn't sure. do that. But, but other than that, yeah, the way it is. Aren't we hearing that Jordan didn't actually have the flu? Yeah, we have heard that. It's And he probably didn't, but it's still an inspiring story, whether you believe it or not. Well, it's still like... Well, you let the legend hear. I'll still take the, the legend, legend and just say, hey, I'm, I'm like Jordan, man. I, I don't want to perform today. I got a sunburn. It hurts like hell. I got to go anyway, right? Like... You just you just make it happen. But you know what? That story's got that story's got <laughs> so many people out there playing in games they had no business pick. <laughs> Can you imagine if it's fake? Like how many people have... <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious, um, you know uh, there was something I was gonna say, I can't remember what it was. It was it was really interesting, but it's gone. I don't remember. I was I had a question about comedy, I don't know. Um Oh, what is it's got to be awesome to be killing it, right? Like when you're in front of 3,000, 4,000 people and they're all laughing at you and you're you're on the stage by yourself, the center of attention. What does that feel like? I've never had that moment. Well, I I haven't been in front of thousands of people very often, yeah. but yeah. It feels good. It feels good whether it's 50 people or 1,000 people. It feels good every single time. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best feeling ever. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that a feeling you yeah, chase? Yeah. Like you you it like almost like a drug where you're like, I want that more. Like anytime I can get that feeling. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I'm trying to sharpen up my jokes so that I can do it when I want. You know? Yeah, it's like that's the whole point of like running a joke over and over and over again, cutting out all the fat. You know, all the little bit editing things that you do to get it sharp, so that you can absolutely kill if you have to. Mm -hmm. 
So you take like a yeah, scalpel yeah, yeah, and you yeah, really yeah. carefully like, hey, maybe we should take this phrasing out and do this this part instead. Is that how is you almost like surgical writing yeah, a joke? Yeah. Some sometimes certain sounds are funnier than others. A certain number of syllables is funnier than others. You know, sometimes alliteration's funnier. Certain letters are funnier. <laughs> um, yeah, certain numbers are funnier. Sometimes you know you gotta put the thing that was in the back into the front. You know, sometimes you gotta just cut stuff out all together. Uh, yeah, it's, there's there's a lot of you know. Sometimes just word choice matters, or sometimes you're being um, you're you're being unclear. You're being uh, what's what's the word when the when when you can mean when you can mean two things? You're being ambiguous. Mm. You know when you need to be being. Uh, clear more clear and more concise right so there, there's a there's there's a thousand different things that you can change or tweak or or whatever to get your meaning across to 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 make sure that there's something there or that there's nothing and i got one more question i'll let you go you've given me an hour and almost a half i'm so grateful for your time um what cities do you love going to like what, what are the places around the country that you go do comedy and you're like that's that's an awesome spot to perform and hang out in. Uh, Philly, DC, Denver. Um, had a good time in LA. Oh, Madison, Wisconsin. I had a really? great time out there. Madison. Why? Why was Madison yeah, great? Yeah, what they, about that? Um. Is one of the best clubs in the country. Is in Madison, really? Paul Com Comedy on State. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's a lot of people's favorite club. Uh, if you ask the comic what their favorite club is, they're either gonna say most. The, the answer will most likely either be uh, Comedy Works in Denver, Comedy on State, um, the Mothership, um. It's, it, and it, there's there's a there's a few others, Zanies and Nashville. What about New York? Is there there's a place in New York? I'm trying to remember. Oh, the, the cellar? cellar, yeah. Is a cellar? Yeah, but but that but that's not. Uh, no, obviously the people love the cellar, but the cellar is a, is like a workout club. It's like a showcase mm. club. So you, you wouldn't you wouldn't like do a weekend. Yeah. You know that's I mean? so you're working it's, on it's your act. Like, right, right, right. right. Whereas uh, the the mothership was kind of both, <laughs> but the but the the comedy works actually I'm at comedy works this weekend in Denver, uh, but also, uh, you know, comedy works and comedy you know, they they are all, uh, they're headliner clubs so like you they book you to come do an hour, you know. What's the difference so between it, a, a performance day and a because I feel like until you tape your special you're always working out right and you're working out kinks and trying to make it better so how, how does that work like how is there a difference between clubs that are worked out clubs and aren't because i feel like until you're doing your special you're always tweaking and trying to get better right uh yeah but but like but like a like a club like uh like the cellar or the or the comedy store it's like you'd show up and do a 15 minute spot mm. tops yeah you know i mean wrong. i mean some you know if you're if you're super famous or you're a legend you can probably do more than that, but but the average person's average comic shows up. They do fifteen minutes and they leave, and 
And whereas on the weekend, they're paying you to do an hour. And, and so, so here's the other side of it too. The average comic shows will do 15 minutes and they leave, but they, but they are not responsible for the draw. Um, so, so the, you know, clubs like the cellar are just full. Yeah. You don't have to like advertise. Yeah. You don't have to do it. And that's the other place for a Chappelle, which is like show up randomly, like go off for like do whatever he wants. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the kind of place where he. I mean, he could do that anywhere, really. Yeah, but yeah, true. the seller is for for comics, and then you know, uh, and and so the opposite is like if you if somebody books you for a weekend, like they're paying you to to do an hour, but I mean they're really paying you for your fans to come to their club, so you're responsible for the turnout. Mm. Yeah, you know, like you're at least mostly. Yeah. So. It, yeah, and you get and you get paid per you get you get paid a certain percentage that based on the turnout. Whereas at the at the showcase clubs, like they pay you a flat rate to show up, do your fifteen minutes, and leave, and mm -hmm. they they make they fill the club. Yeah, you know. So so usually there's no, the the only clubs like that are in the comedy cities, like Los Angeles, New York, uh, maybe Chicago, um, definitely Austin now. So you you won't see a, sh a workout club like that in you know Wisconsin, yeah. Because because yeah, because it's not like a it's not like a commented place, yeah. Where people you know, no one works out at least not that I know of. But no. <laughs> who's uh, who's doing it really good right now? Like who who are the funniest guys? And I, don't, I obviously like Bill Burr and Rogan and Chappelle, but who are the guys that maybe I've never heard of that you you're really into right now? That's putting a lot of pressure on me. I mean, you heard of Shane Gillis? <laughs> Shane Gillis, yeah, he's he's funny. He's he's like um, a, a star in the making, man. If he's not already, yeah, he's, he's pretty huge. Um, guys that you may have never heard of. Hey, I told you about Derek Poston. Um, Derek Poston. He's on the road with with uh, with Andrew Schultz. Um. The young boy Cam Patterson, he's about to blow up. What's I his think. name? Cam Patterson. Cam Patterson. Cam with a K. Cam with a K. Um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, yeah, but I, I, you would know better than I do. So. Yeah, I'm just real stoned for this. Mm. You know what? This is on me. I should, because I get asked this question often enough where I should just have a list. Oh, actually, I do have a list. Man, old me was really looking ahead. <laughs> well, I, I figure, you know, it, it was cool to hear the way Segura lifted you up, and I'm like, let's let's give someone a shout-out. Like, Camp, Camp Patterson's a name I've never heard of. And th that's a guy I'm definitely going to, like, Google tonight and be like, what's he got? Let's look at his YouTube channel. Let's look at his clips, because I, I love comedy. It's it's truly, like, one of my... I, I just get oh, high. Yeah. Like, oh, dude, you got to oh check out CP. CP, who's that? CP. His name's Comedian CP. Comedian CP. Yeah, that dude's that dude's funny. Uh, Brian Davis, you heard of him? Uh huh. I think he. I think his special is about to come out pretty soon. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, man. That that's a good list. I got Cam Patterson, comedian CP, Brian Davis, Derek Poston. That's those are pretty good names, man. That's that's names I've never heard of that I'm definitely gonna look up later. So All mission right, accomplished. Yeah. He did it. Cool, man. Well, hey, I just want to say thank you. You gave me an hour and a half of your time. Um, I'm very grateful, and I'm, I'm rooting for you. I know you're taping your special soon. 
And uh, I'm really, really excited for your future, man. You're, I mean, you're already killing it, but I just think the sky's the limit, man. You're so amazing. And I, I, I truly want you to know that when you followed me on Instagram one day, I was like, no way. Like, I love this guy. I was like, this is <laughs> awesome. I called my dad. I'm like, dude, like Brian Simpson just followed me on Instagram. Like, he's hilarious. And I, it was really cool. It was like, uh, I'm a big fan of you, man. So I appreciate your support. Like, like, likewise, man. Uh, uh, I'm glad you got to make it out to Hawaii and, and get right back at it. Thank you, man. Well, hey, have a great day and uh, enjoy the tour.